0: Hi, and welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics and current events. My name is Corey, and my pronouns are he and him.
1: And my name is David, and my pronouns are they, them, or he, him. Okay, so. So. (laughs) I guess. We'll we'll jump right in.
0: Might as well. I don't have any preamble this time around.
1: I guess the preamble is almost like we were talking about before we started recording, and the, the fact that, like. You know, we got that one piece of feedback on the YouTube video about how you know Corey seems to always find these what you know, WTF uh, <laughs> yeah. stories. But you know to some it's degree every that, two weeks. <laughs> it's every two weeks. Um yeah, some of them are out there. Like, you know, these are the old like dog bites man isn't news, man bites dog is. Right. Um there's some of it too. It's like, you know, this isn't like this isn't unusual like i don't want i don't want us to start considering some of this stuff like the norm or normal because it's not normal but at the same time a lot of a lot of this stuff has just become has become the norm yeah that's right um which is is scary and frustrating but i think it's important to 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 talk about it for that very reason is so that people who go okay well that's just a weird fringe that's just a one-off that's not really common you know (laughs) It, after a while, yeah, you know, I say, I've said this on a number of topics, but after a while, like when a one-off keeps happening over and over and over again, you can't call it a one-off anymore. Yeah. So, anyways, let's let's jump into some of these not right. so one-off stories. <laughs> Money in politics—it's everyone's Space. favorite.
0: Yeah, the, our our wacky fringe Saskatchewan Buffalo Party. Yeah. <laughs> Raised one hundred thirty-one thousand dollars, largely thanks to one Alberta man who donated eighty-two thousand seven hundred and eighty-seven dollars. Um, from what's his name here?
1: Uh, Quinn Holtby. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, he's the president, uh, the CEO of uh, Catch Can Limited, an Edmonton company. Um, yeah, which it's they I, oil, it's and oil and oil gas. Oil yeah, it's an oil and, oil and, and gas industry. company. So yeah, um, which. I, I read this and I was meaning to go do a little bit deeper digging on how is this legal? Um, Mm Because my understanding was there are campaign donation limits, Um, but apparently not. I don't know. Um, It it seems unusual to me.
0: I think I've heard in the past that Saskatchewan is one of the few places, few provinces that doesn't have a cap on donations for provincial politics.
1: Great. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so basically, it, you know, turn turn the Buffalo Party literally into a lobbying arm of like when right. when 60 some odd percent of your money comes from a single person in the oil and gas industry. Yeah. Like you you at that point, 63 percent of their total income comes from one guy. You work for him at that point. Right. Like, yep. um Yeah. That's. That that is, you know, a a bold accusation. I realize I'm making but, um, <laughs> at might, a certain point.
0: It might not surprise people to find out that the Buffalo Party was the Wexit Party, right? Yeah. <laughs> so these are these are separatists, I guess you could say. Yeah. So uh, for what that's worth,
1: yeah. Which, like, I, I think that again, you can't ever read someone's mind, but you can get some pretty good indication by their actions. I don't think any of these Yahoos actually want to separate. I think they're <laughs> hoping to emulate the, um, the, the the Quebec phenomenon of it, what they see as Quebec threatens to separate and they get stuff, um, yeah. which is definitely an oversimplification of what's going on with Quebec. I've talked about yep. that a few times before as well. Um, I'm, I'm I, I recognize even amongst the left, I am certainly far more sympathetic to the plight of Quebec than than most <laughs> than, than most people. Uh, I was going to say you know this side of the Ontario Manitoba border, but realistically this. Side of the Ontario Quebec border, <laughs> probably even right. Um, but uh, as I get to some extent, it, you know, it works. You 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 complain enough about Western alienation, and you know, it hopefully does get you stuff, um, especially yeah, from the Liberals and the NDP. I don't think it's ever going to get you anything from the Conservatives because it, it doesn't need to, right? right? They don't they don't need to placate because um, they already know <laughs> they're going to get whatever percent of the vote, but. Yeah. Um yeah no it, it's an odd and it put them ahead of, of accounting
0: yeah it put them ahead of the uh green party the liberals and the progressive conservative party all in f- donations yeah. but way behind yeah. the NDP and way behind
1: so. the big two right like yeah. we are we are a two party province um the liberals and the progressive conservatives uh, like i at this point um
0: surprising they're even still here
1: (laughs) it's surprising they're still here um they are yeah like i I honestly i think the green party is certainly a much more substantial um uh, organization than either progressive conservative or liberal like both of which sold their souls years ago right like the people who are there are the the last remaining holdouts from a party where 90 some odd percent of the party moved on like yeah, overwhelmingly, the progressive conservatives joined the Sask Party. Um, yeah. Over half, like something like around half of the Liberals joined the the Sask Party, and then the other half joined the NDP a few years later. Um, yeah. Like it, it, they were bought and paid for by the NDP, and then joined them. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, yeah. so that's I don't see the Buffalo Party first... really rising, but. Maybe they'll do the same no. thing that the Wild Rose did in uh, in Alberta and and split them. Well the Sask party is not has not become as hated by the, the right as the conservatives had in Alberta, you know, five, ten years ago though. So right, we'll see. Right. Maybe if they, they fuck up enough then the anti maskers can split the party in two. So.
0: <laughs> and then we can have the Saskatchewan version of the UCP running off Yeah, <laughs> well,
1: I guess we kind of do already with the Sask party. Yeah.
0: True. The Saskatchewan First Nation sees historic land claim payout increased to $141 million. So, my mouse is acting up again. The Mosquito Grizzly Bear head lean man First Nation receives an extra $14 million due to the time elapsed since the, the appraisal yeah this was
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's exactly as it should be like yeah above and beyond what you think about the the settlement back in 2017 money has a time value that's that's pretty basic (laughs) finance a dollar in 2017 is is worth more than a dollar in 2021 like inflation exists um money has a time value um (laughs) the fact that the province Drag their heels and in paying out what was owed. Like, yeah, that that's that's how this works. Yep. So. Exactly.
0: Uh, so I mean, good for good for the mosquito grizzly bears, le- yep. head lean man First Nation.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what much <laughs> more there is to say. No. Um, it's, it, it's good the settlement back in 2017, and it's good that the courts you know recognize um, the fact that you know time elapsed and the appraisal and that's what's owed. Yeah, I, I hey, guess yeah.
0: just for a few details, like this settlement came after uh, First Nations members. Uh, there ha- this land was taken from the reserve yep. and the federal government just decided that it was, you know, theirs, I guess. Uh, it's now crown land.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sure, I shouldn't have said province. I should have said the, the federal. I think I said right, province. Right. I misspoke. Um, but yeah, same, like it's.
0: Yeah, the yeah the, the same
1: general the, the government the 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 feds, not the province. So
0: yeah, so they oh. yeah. I mean, they've been fighting for uh their
1: since nineteen oh five, I believe. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> so yeah, so they finally are getting it. Well, I felt I felt it was fair to uh, cover this because we've covered a, a a speeder in Regina in the past, and yep. this one's in Saskatoon. <laughs> So he was going nearly twice the speed limit to help fix his car. Yeah. So I don't, uh, 159 kilometers an hour is pretty damn fast.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it must he be an 80 to, zone.
1: To, to knock the rust off was his line. <laughs> yeah. To knock the rust off <laughs> the brakes. Um, so, yeah, it's.
0: An allegedly impaired driver. I would, I would imagine that one must be drunk to think that that excuse would work for going that fast. Yeah.
1: Well, he, like, he, he, like, I I think we can even take the allegedly off. Like he was, he was found guilty of impaired driving. Um, I think it's, it was a summary ticket though. So that's what it is. But yeah, he's, he got the $360 alcohol ticket. $1,170 One thousand one hundred and seventy dollars speeding ticket, seven day vehicle impoundment, and three day license suspension. Um, again, I don't like. I don't believe in like. I'm a I'm a police and prison abolitionist. Um, but it is telling that even someone driving drunk at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday, going one hundred and sixty kilometers an hour in an eighty zone, is not facing jail time. Yep, and only. Loses his vehicle for seven days and his driver's license for three. Yeah, that's right. Like, so you you have you have some pills in your pocket. You can you'll go to jail. mm -hmm. That pills that only like only you are gonna take. That's (laughs) right. Not gonna endanger anyone else. That can get you jail time, but like literally risking others. This is like. It, it is not exactly the most well traveled stretch of road. That said, like three o'clock in the afternoon, like you don't know, that, it could be you don't know who's going <laughs> to be there, you don't know what kids are going to be there, yeah, right? Like it's an 80 kilometer an hour road, so yeah, like, kids you should shouldn't not be, be kids, be, yeah, should, kids shouldn't be there. But bicyclists, other cars, um, right? Yep. Like you are putting other people at risk driving 160 kilometers an hour,
0: yep, um, that's right.
1: So yeah. And it, it, again, it, it speaks to the types of crimes, um, that we punish harshly and the ones that we don't, um, drinking and driving and speeding seem to always yeah. be the ones that don't really warrant severe punishment.
0: And it's funny cause uh, like drinking and driving is a major issue, right? And Saskatchewan's numbers of uh, drunk drivers never seems to go down. Like our percentage never goes down. And it's, it's situations like this. Like if we're not going to punish, and again, I'm not a pro cop person, but if we're not not going
1: to uh,
0: take care of these situations, then people are going to do whatever they do. There's no, no consequences.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's frustrating. And I, I don't know what the solution is.
0: Saskatchewan unveils, Locations of newest overseas trade offices. So this, the Saskatchewan government is announced Wednesday. It will be opening trade and investment offices in London, Mexico city, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, and Ho Chi, Ho Chi Minh city, Vietnam. So yeah, this is another thing to, uh, we already have apparently, uh, offices in China, India, yeah. Japan, and Singapore. And, I don't know. This was a a headline that I thought, like, I don't know that much about our international trade. I know we export a lot of things.
1: Yeah. But but yeah, it's, it's not unusual. It's, it's a sign of economic growth. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know uh, what much more to to say about this one. Um, like I, I want to say it's a positive thing. I think it is a positive thing. Um, I think the, the the fact that we're talking about agricultural exports um, and, and predominantly um, countries where we're like is it exporting, you know, agricultural rather than energy is probably a positive thing. No, it would, it, be, yeah, it is a sign of greater diversity within our economy um, that we're not just focusing on places we can sell oil to. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, like we we need to we need to start doing more of that um, agriculture. Like agriculture, from like from from an environmental standpoint, is very different. But from an economic standpoint, agriculture does run into a lot of the same issues that um, oil and gas does. It's primary industry. It's cyclical. Like there's there's issues around it. Um, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. But I don't right. think we're I don't think we're worried about you know too many eggs in the agricultural ba- basket currently. I think we moved away from that and probably a little more than we should have. And being able to go back to it is good. Yep. I know people on both the left and the right are going to be upset about globalism and international trade. And that's which there are issues with
0: that. So there, that's fair, right? Like there's, there's real legit criticism to be had with yeah. the spread of globalization and, and uh, the, I guess the effect on wages and everything. Uh, but, but, as far as local economy goes, this is probably good for our, our province. Yeah. I mean, if if we want to have a philosophical discussion about globalization, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other
1: thing. It'll probably be one of those few times that you and I are on slightly different uh, sides yeah, probably, of the, the yeah. debate, because um, I'm a lot more, you know, pro international trade, but. Um, like I said, so for me, this is more of a, a more of a positive, but
0: yeah, I I'm, I'm pro international trade in the sense that I don't believe in borders. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so there's that, but also like, yeah, the way the world is currently like, uh, yeah. i I mean, it, it's complicated.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, yeah, I think you're right. That's a bigger conversation than just Saskatchewan <laughs> opening up some trade offices. So yeah, that's um, right. But we definitely have a we definitely have a provincial government that wants to punch above its weight, um, which at times you and I both sort of see and cringe at. But I think at times <laughs> there are, there are positive aspects of that as well. As you know, as long as it's being done in a way that actually is lifting up Saskatchewan rather than tearing down the rest of the country, yes. um, and this this likely is. So that's that's a positive. It's just that's a a line that. Sometimes it's overstepped
0: a bit. <laughs> okay, so this story was on the 17th. So that's like six days yeah. ago. I haven't seen an update. Uh, normally, I get a lot of these stories coming at me all the time. So I kind of right. expected to get something. But City of PA declares state of emergency partial evacuation because of forest fires. the um, order applies to people north of Highway 55, east of the Cloverdale Road and west of the Honeymoon Road. And I mean, there's this picture here that looks like there's a lot of smoke. That would be pretty bad to be around, I would think.
1: Yeah. So um, it it sounds like um, you know that a lot of the damage was um, uh, contained. Um, The the since this story, uh, just a couple of days ago, the Prince Albert fire chief, um, you know, came out and said, you know, quick response, fire suppression crews, built-in sprinkler systems that were used to save homes, um, nice. likely saved, um, you know, upwards of several million dollars um, of damage. Yeah. Um, and and my my understanding is there was no loss of life, which, quite frankly, is is you know, infinitely um, more important yep. than than loss of property. So. Yeah. Um, people evacuated when they were told to evacuate, which, you know, that's nice uh, to hear. That's <laughs> nice to hear. Right. Um, and, uh, again, firefighters from the, the Saskatchewan public safety agency, um, sounds like they jumped into action very, very quickly. They didn't sort of do the whole wait to see what happens. And there's air tankers and have bucketing helicopters. So, um, we've got systems in place. um, and like again, we we'll, we'll, you, you, you try not to politicize everything, but the fact that you know this is socialism at work, right? Like, it, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> um, we we are having you know th- this is exactly, or I guess, collectivism. Let's say not necessarily, socialism, yeah, yeah, but you know, co- co- collective well-being and um, you know pooling resources to be able to deal with things like this in a, in a rapid manner is, is pretty critical. So,
0: yep. No. And they did apparently a pretty good job. So this is good. Yeah. I mean, not the, not good that it happened in the first place. Not good but, that it
1: happened in the first place. Um, but handled, it, handled well, uh, handled well. Um, hopefully everyone continues to honor and respect the fire ban. Hopefully we can get some more rain, which I think, yes. you know, yeah. I, I think that's, you know, we, we talk about how the, our show, uh, our show title is based on the Saskatchewan motto, but, um, perhaps the unofficial Saskatchewan motto of sure. Could use some rain, <laughs> um, <laughs> continues to apply. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I guess we're not quite there yet, but, uh, one of the, one yeah. of the stories in the quick looks is a d- discussion on, uh, the dry conditions. Yeah. and, and, this week we were expecting a lot of rain on Friday Saturday and today.
1: Yeah, and but, and in Regina we did, but I don't know I don't know how that happened up in PA. So
0: Yeah, I don't down south uh, where I work, we got a lot of rain on Friday or, and Thursday actually, too. But uh one of these things in Saskatchewan is you can't complain about the rain. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> every time you if you feel like you're complaining about the rain, uh, there's always that one person who's like, "Yeah, but we need it for the farm. We need it for the crops." Yeah, <laughs> which until you
1: don't, right? Because that—that's that's, yeah, that's the, right. the, the one thing that gets complained about more than not enough rain is too much rain from an agricultural <laughs> perspective. Which, again, like is is, yeah. is, is legitimate. It, yeah. It's got to have ag- that balance. Agriculture requires a a narrow a narrow Goldilocks zone of yep. precipitation, and and I I suspect that's gonna like that is going to become more and more an issue as as weather becomes more extreme so we are going to have yep. more and more summers where it's like one month everything is super dry and parched and everyone's you know begging the sky for rain to three weeks later everything's flooded and you can't yep. you can't drive machinery on the fields because it's two feet deep mud and water at that point right so we're right. going to have more extreme weather it's something we'll need to, to brace for
0: yep as climate change takes hold, things are going to get less and less uh, Goldilocks. The number of retail cannabis stores in Saskatoon has tripled after the province removed the original cap on permits in the fall of 2020. We have had, and there's a lot in Regina too. Yep. It's the initial, when it was first legalized, there was a, like a lottery almost for yep. uh for licenses to run stores. And now it's like, A free for all, so now all these stores that bought these expensive licenses, they have to fight for survival. Yep. So, which I guess is what capitalism does.
1: Yeah, that's that's how. (laughs) In theory, that's how capitalism's supposed to work, right? You know. Yeah. Build a better (laughs) mousetrap, which it'll drive. It hopefully will drive prices down because I think one of the one of the reasons why. and I don't think the article talks about this, but one of the reasons why you open up the licensing is because licensing was so limited. um, It was expensive. Everyone like you have, you have an um, oligopoly. Um, So it's, um, you know, they're able to keep prices high and a lot of people like we're still going back to their old dealer because their old dealer was their friend and charges yep. them a quarter of the price that the pot shops do, yeah. or or half the price, or or, or some fraction thereof. Um, and like yeah, it's- my demographic is probably going to be pretty consistently going to pot shops rather than some dealer somewhere because like I'm boring. Um, <laughs> I haven't partaken <laughs> in quite some time, but like if I was going to go buy some pot again, I probably would have. Would would struggle to find someone who's a uh, black market and yeah. I'm boring and lazy. So I, I like I'm exactly the type of person that would walk into a pot shop rather than oh, yeah. rather than my dealer. But like people who have been smoking heavily for a while and had their dealer, they're going to keep going to their dealer. Um, yeah. Unless you can drive them out of business by just making right. it, making that the, the, the free and so easy. convenient free. And yeah. the, the legal and easy i said i should yeah. say um more, more simple so
0: yeah if it's so easy to get it at the shop that you don't even think about bothering with your dealer right right then like
1: uh the same reason the same reason we go to liquor stores right like yeah. and, and don't make wine at home or buy moonshine <laughs> or whatever right it's like i can go i can go to the liquor store at Six o'clock yep. on a Friday after work, grab a couple bottles of wine. Um, like, yeah. if you work downtown, I know where the pot shops are downtown. You don't even have to, like, get in your car. You leave your car in the parking lot. You leave your office tower. You go to grab some pot. You go back to the where your car is parked and drive home. You're not yeah. stopping by someone else's house. They're not coming to your house. You're not sort of meeting up in Vic Park on a Saturday afternoon, right? Like, it's –
0: Yep, that's right. So – yeah.
1: Oh, My nice. guess is as well the uh, the pandemic probably also helped the legal pot industry to some degree as well. Because I would think so. You know, you're going into a sanitized shop that's allowed, <laughs> that's legally allowed to be open, as opposed to like having to meet someone in their house and you have no idea. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. We'll, no, it's we'll, it's we'll good. see where things go. We'll see what businesses close, what open. Um,
0: yeah i mean i've got I've got my store that I like to go to uh we always go to fire and flower <laughs> like, it's just the place we go we know what they have we know what we <laughs> the prices are. you don't get
1: surprised it's you know the one thing I've been saying well I was gonna say since it became illegalized, but for years and years prior to it being legalized, I honestly don't give that many shits about who is selling it legally <laughs> as long as the people who were in jail for having sold it th- 4 years ago get let out yeah. um and we start yeah. we we like getting a more effective pardon method for people who were in jail for drug crimes um yeah. is is infinitely more important to me um cuz if you're doing the like if you if you have a criminal record for doing the exact same thing that you know the twenty-three-year-old white girl business student is now making two million dollars off of. Um, yeah, there, there's that's a discrepancy there, right? Yeah, that's an issue. Um, So, and and that is not meant in any way, shape, or form to be a um, a, a a discount or an insult to um, oh, the no. woman in the article, uh, uh, Sebenschuback. Like, I'm you know good for her. That's awesome that she has a, You know, built a business case. Quite frankly, I'd rather a 23-year-old business student be the one making <laughs> the money rather right. than President's Choice pot brands. Um, yeah, Blah Blahs doesn't need the money. Blah Blahs doesn't need the money, yeah. So, um, you know, that's great that she's doing what she's doing. Um, but far, far more importantly is let's start giving pardons to all the people who have criminal records for doing the same thing she did.
0: Yeah, for sure. SGI to start mailing out rebate checks this week. That was May 11th. I, it must be a slow process because I haven't gotten mine yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't even check the mail because I should be getting one. Yeah, That's good. Like yep. It's a quicker look so we don't have to spend too much time on it, but that's, you know, it's good again, that's the joys of us owning it was we get the profits when they make more profits. If this was a private company that would have disappeared to another province or yeah. country.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> On to the next one. This is a bit of a, I don't know if it's a NIMBY or if it's a genuine concern over, uh, Viterra putting their plant out by, I think it's up in the North area. Hmm.
1: Well, this is that story we talked about a couple of weeks ago too right with uh this is the one that um the co- op refinery was all upset about because they wanted that chunk of dirt
0: right yeah, and now uh residents in uplands have yeah. uh gone on on the uh news i guess to talk about concerns over property values and the smell
1: <laughs> yeah well so? it's um it, if that doesn't go forward and the refinery gets it. i suspect that's something they'd want in their backyard even less
0: yeah that's um, right like so, seems like you'd have to be careful which ones you're nimbying
1: yeah <laughs> and don't get me wrong like having industrial like industrial land on the edge of residential land is is tricky um yep. like but you need people to work in in industry and yeah it's, I don't know what much, much more to say on that. Um, hopefully they, you know, ensure they're doing an, a, a fully fleshed out environmental impact and all that good stuff and, yeah, and do what honestly, they can.
0: I, I want to give the, I want to give the residents, they spoke up uh, the benefit yeah. of the doubt, right? Like I want to, I want the, you know, they are, they said they're pro in, uh, like uh, development. So, I mean, maybe it's not just a NIMBY thing. Maybe it's like you know genuine concern
1: right Yep. all right we will continue to follow as the story develops as they yes. say
0: okay this is the one we mentioned earlier yeah. uh dry con- dry conditions persist in saskatchewan and even with the rain we got this last weekend i don't think it's i don't think it was that much to improve the situations um
1: yeah i think it's still they're still needing more rain um they talk about they're they're hoping june will will bring more that sort of seems to be what what forecasts have indicated so um yep, yeah um is what it is like I again, continue to keep an eye on it. We don't need to talk too much more about it, so
0: yeah. All right, on to, this might take a little bit longer. Regina Mayor calls for booting cars to help collect more than 500K in unpaid parking tickets. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we covered the the unpaid parking tickets <laughs> earlier uh, in a previous episode.
1: Yep. So Some of them we're, were pretty extreme, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, so now <sighs> we're taking extreme measures to uh, collect on these, is yeah. the attempt. Yeah. Um. I mean, half a million dollars can go to a lot of things, right?
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and again, if there's individuals owing tens of thousands of dollars, like 30 residents collectively, like that half a million is 30 people.
0: I I don't see how you're actually going to get that money out
1: of <laughs> I, Like their cars worth less than that. Yeah. In most cases, I would think. Um, you no know, city previously said it faces a $1.4 million loss in revenue from unpaid parking tickets. Um or sorry, no, that's that's their loss in revenue from parking tickets during the pandemic, is just people okay. aren't getting enough parking tickets. Um <laughs> and the city had been focusing on educating residents um of achieving compliance rather than so like the city made a conscious choice to say, Hey, let's focus on like tapping tapping people on the shoulder, giving them a warning and saying, Hey, you need to pay your
0: Right. You right. It's it's interesting to me like I would not call it a loss of revenue uh, when people aren't parking illegally.
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems like a really yeah. weird way to frame that. <laughs> yeah, no, I,
1: I agree. That shouldn't be the purpose of parking tickets. I understand why it's be- why it becomes one. Um, yeah, but
0: especially that- if yeah, year after year, you have this number of of parking unpaid parking tickets or pa- parking tickets that you get paid for consistently year yeah. after year. Right. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some things are just strange to me. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the way I see things, but yeah, I don't know what else to say about this, but uh, yeah, various yeah, people.
1: And they had one woman call in the morning show after um, Sandra Masters had done an interview and she called in and said, you know, I had five unpaid parking tickets um, from being a student. I left the city, and then when I moved back, she contacted the city to pay and found out she owed $1,700. Right. So like, we also need to be, I guess, somewhat wary on – because you and I were trying to figure out how the hell do you rack up $60,000 in parking tickets or whatever. But um, if this is a matter of it's far more late fees than it is – Right, actual right. tickets themselves—that's that is a little bit different because you know seventeen hundred dollars—that's three hundred more than three hundred dollars a ticket. Um, yeah,
0: and there's no way they started that, right? There's no way they started like
1: unless it was I don't know parking like those are all five for park double parking and handicap spots. I don't know like in the that, in the hospital parking lot something, or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you like, I'm, and I'm guessing that's not what it was, right? I'm guessing right. it was just from late fees. So, yeah, probably. um I think one of the things the city may want to, again, armchair city, man, uh, you know, city manager, or whatever, um, you may want to look at what were these tickets prior to, um, prior to late fees, yeah, and and maybe look at reaching out to the people who owe these tickets and saying, all right, like. We're not not going to give you the discount for paying early because most of these tickets you get a discount for paying early. Then there's full price, and then there's late fees. Like, don't give them the early payment discount, um, but uh, you know, maybe maybe chop off the late fees and say you know, sixty bucks a ticket or hundred and whatever bucks a ticket if it's more mature. I haven't had a parking ticket in a while, so um, lucky me. Um, I've dodged a few. But <laughs> the last couple
0: it. times, the last two times I got a parking ticket, it was not city issued. They were private mm. parking lots. Yeah, and sure. those are a whole other thing.
1: And they don't give you discounts for paying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, a, putting boots on cart. Like, while I am not the most pro authority, like, again, this isn't some. This isn't you know the state coming at you with some guy with a gun. Like, I, I would probably rather a boot. That you have to, you know, walk down to the commissioner's office, pay your fine, and then have someone come remove the boot, rather yeah. than some cop showing up at a guy's house saying, "Hey, you owe a thousand dollars." So, right,
0: right, yeah, absolutely. Don't bring the cops in. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. So, <laughs> so. all right,
0: uh, vaccines for kids. Vaccines for kids. Uh oh. Uh, where am I? Vaccines for kids. Yeah. SAS children, 12 and older. Well, to be eligible for vaccines next week, school-based shots likely in early June. But this came out on the 14th, so. It started old, already. Yeah, yeah. So 12 and older started already. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I, okay, I still have not gone to the drive through Dude. <laughs> Dude. It, it was closed for most of the week last the last set of days off and then obviously when i'm on shift because they've now
1: they've now opened it up to all ages right so (laughs) that yeah so it's gonna be busy um it'll it'll that that busyness will die down for kids it is going to be done in the schools as well so it was that's really good you know going into the drive-through or or booking it through a pharmacy will get it for you early last week before like before, I guess, last week or whenever it was, um, I had spent a couple hours on the phone calling pharmacies to try and get my older son an appointment and it couldn't. Oh, yeah. They were oh, all. Okay. Either they, all their appointments were full or they were out of the vaccine altogether. Um, and so looking at doing um, the drive-through, my co-parent is now back in the house. So by Thursday, my co-parent was in the house. She's with the kids all of this coming week. So I may end up having to wait till the following weekend to to bring them. Or I might just say you know, Hey, I'll, I'm going to go do it with, with them. Right. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. Or again, that, that light at the end of that tunnel is so close. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: We're over 50% uh, vaccinated right now is what I think I, I read. So that's good. I mean, on the first shot. Yeah. On the first shot. That's right. Which, what did they say? Like gives you a 70% effectiveness. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, I don't know how how accurate that number is, but it, it's pretty. Good. And like again, like any vaccination, what the what the first vaccination will do is, even if you do contract it, it'll lessen the symptoms. Right, right. Um, so you're still you still might you'll, you'll be less contagious, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yep. um, yeah, no, we're that lights at the end of the tunnel, um, and then we can move on to prepping for when things happen in future right like that's going to be the next that the final step that i want to start talking about a little bit more now already so that um i know people are a little don't want to hear that but what happens in four years when it's not COVID 19 but something something 23 um, right so or 25 or whatever year it sort of comes up so um yeah it'll be um It's good that we're up again for kids. There, it sounds like it's probably at least a year away for kids under 12. Um, Right. My 11 year old, he turned 11 in in March. She was like, Okay, how like how soon till I can get it? And I had to have that like, sorry, but odds are you're going to turn 12 before 11 year olds are able to get it. (laughs) So that's like your your vaccination date will very likely be your 12th birthday. Right. Um, So
0: cabin owners are mad because their uh, uh, government lease fees went up 300%. Um, so, I mean, uh, cabin owner in northeast Saskatchewan says a 300% increase on land lease rates is unfair, and he wants the province to reconsider. Annual lease rates for cabins on crown land in the northern half of the province is now nearly $900 per year for all properties. And three years ago, it was 275 Yeah, And Initially when I was reading this article, I was like, Okay, you're a you own a cabin, like come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently some of these uh people like that's their house actually. It's not like some cabin they go to seasonally. Some people okay. actually live there. And that so that seems a little bit like more of an issue, I guess.
1: Yeah. But and and like that's a dramatic increase, the fact that it went yeah that much. Now <sighs> Is it that, like, was it, did it jump dramatically because it stayed low for longer than it should have? Is this one of those things that it should be up to $900 now, but it stayed at 275 for over a decade when it should have been <laughs> right. going up by 50 or 100 bucks a year for the yeah. last decade? Like, right? So, like, the, I don't know. And that's, that's the thing that yeah. sort of plays into this.
0: Yeah. And that like said,
1: it, it's, it's a pretty I big jump.
0: I don't know the region that well, so I don't know if this is like uh typical for that type of area you know um
1: it... one of the things they do say in the article, which again has me much more leaning towards the cabin owners um is the fact that it is a severely depressed housing market in the area right now
0: so um and that there have been property no... taxes and stuff like. Based on value, right? Yeah,
1: and no new homes have been built for several years, and prices are down. So the idea that, like, yeah, okay, your property taxes go up. You don't like it. You can just sell. Well, no, you can't.
0: Right, right. Right. You're stuck.
1: Uh, (laughs) um, And they kind of talk about um, the one that many of the cabins were rustic, unserviced, and remote to start with, and are now virtually worthless. So... This isn't the same as some guy from Toronto having a cabin on Muskoka in the Muskoka, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> right? right, or even someone you know, even someone from Regina having a cabin out at Regina Beach. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. It's not. Like, it's not a bunch back. of like, people. This, is, this is not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah ho- hopefully, I'm, the province again. I, it seems like one of those weird ones where it's a it's a bizarre cash grab by the province that doesn't actually get the province all that much cash but hurts
0: yeah it just just Um, hurts people
1: (laughs) yeah and i don't know what would sort of inspire that because there's it sounds like there's about 1200 cabins that this is impacting so that's an increase of um okay that's just the one went from 275 to 900 but or no it's 900 for all Properties, so, like you're looking at, you know, six hundred and twenty-five dollars times twelve hundred. That's not that. That's like, not. That's not nothing,
0: <laughs> right? But uh, for the government, it's not.
1: It's a, uh, <laughs> right. Like it. It's you know, less than a million dollars. Yeah. Again, not not nothing, but seems like a strange. um yeah, strange just, jump and again to do it so suddenly to not do it over and and in an area where you're not providing services right so right maybe maybe there's something maybe the government has something that they want to do with the land maybe there's they're wanting to sell it off to some private industry and privatize it and sell off the crown land and they're trying to get people off of it first but um that's pure I mean, speculation. Maybe, maybe. I wouldn't put it like say, that's pure <laughs> speculation. I don't know. Um, that's that I'm not, I'm not making an accusation of any kind. I wouldn't yeah. put it past them, but we don't know. <laughs> that's, that's where, I'm, that's where I'm saying again, trying to, trying to understand the rational rationalization behind it. So. Yeah. Um, okay.
0: So but, the last of our quick looks is soil conditions worsen in, as seeding continues in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, this is another... It's also related to the moisture.
1: Um, yeah. So... Topsoil has... Like, we're never going to have... I shouldn't say never. No, knock on wood. But, like, realistically, we it is very unlikely for us to ever have a dust bowl again. Because agricultural science is better than right. it was 100 years ago, right? We know how to retain topsoil even in drought conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but... <laughs> Um, it's, this is still, this is still worrisome and this is still the type of summer that's going to, that, that if we don't get that June rain that we're hoping for could, could have long, long-term lasting damage. So,
0: yeah, that's right. Prince Albert, RCMP officer charged with the murder of a 26 year old man from Clearwater River, Dene Nation. Um. Braden Herman was found dead Tuesday evening in wooded area of Prince Albert. Yeah. Uh and the RCMP officer um Bernie, Bernie Herman, Herman
1: was, no relation uh, uh, they're not related to each other they are friends coincidental yeah. coincidental last name.
0: Yeah. And and uh I mean you go into this article and it seems clear like that this uh RCMP officer Bernie Herman was uh he, he was what some people classified as harassing yeah. Uh and they live together. I don't know, you know, obviously nobody can know their exact relationship, right. uh, but it seems pretty odd to me that this, uh, this cop was harassing this young man and then allegedly killed him.
1: This is again, one of those stories where we're getting the preliminary details right now. Um, it's, tragic all around um it sounds it you know you always hear the stories of young men who's had struggles early on in life and the tragedy always seems to strike a couple years after they've gotten their life back on track um which just makes it that much more tragic um (laughs) No, I shouldn't say that. It, it would be just as tragic if he hadn't got his. Life no, that's track. true. That either. was a shitty thing for me to say. I apologize. Um, but it 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 is it is it is tragic that someone has put a, put as much work into turning their life around, overcoming hardship. Um, you know, living a life where close family members had passed from suicide. He himself overcame considerable hardship um, yeah. and to have his life cut short is yeah. is pretty is pretty horrific so um, I'm sure more information will come out as as it gets closer to trial and all that it's, it's very weird and unusual for an RCMP officer to actually get to a point where they're going on trial so we'll we'll see what happens yeah. but yeah.
0: they say uh, the the officer was not on duty at the time of the death. So I, I think the only reason to include that seems to be that um, that means that there's no necessarily an alibi, like nobody knew where his, you know.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> well, and it, it it removes a lot of protections for the, the accused. If he right, was on right. duty, like if a cop's on duty, the bar for say that, yeah, justifiable blah 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 bullshit is pretty low, right? Like they yeah. don't have to they don't have to justify a lot to say, oh, I was exercising my duty, my I felt my life was at risk, therefore yeah. XYZ. But if he wasn't on duty, that that removes a lot of those protections. Even in Canada, we're not as bad as they are in, in some US states or most US states, or possibly even all US states, but it's um it it's still not <laughs> great. Um so
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess, let's see, this article came out on the 12th, so they had an autopsy scheduled and uh, a court date, like a preliminary court date uh, in PA for the following Thursday, which has come and gone, obviously, so there should be more details coming out soon if they aren't already out and we just don't have them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We can we can we can definitely dive deeper into this in two weeks. Um and, and maybe talk about this a little bit more um either in two weeks again or even further into the future as yeah. more
0: details come out. A children's advocate investigating yeah. risky <laughs> oversight in persons of sufficient interest cases.
1: Yeah. So Persons of sufficient interest, for anyone listening, is not the whole persons of interest you hear in crime dramas, right? Like persons of sufficient interest is, for all intents and purposes, it's family members of the child that going into foster care or close friends. It's it's when um, Child Protective Services takes a child away from their parents um, and they are um, situated then with close friends or family members rather than going into um, sort of – at arm's length foster care. Yeah. And the the long and the short of it is we're not doing a good enough job monitoring that.
0: Yeah, um, that's right.
1: Like for the arm's length foster care, again, there's not good, there isn't good enough monitoring there either. Um, but this report seems to be saying it's even worse when it's persons of sufficient interest. Yeah. Um, so we're taking kids out of unsafe environments and possibly putting them into just as unsafe, if not worse,
0: Yeah, like they say we have had several cases where children have been injured or died in PSI care over the years. And more recently, in the last year, we have had a few cases. Yeah. So it, it seems like that's... I mean, that's why this is happening, right? They're yeah. looking into this because kids are getting hurt and dying. Uh,
1: and the recommendation... The fact that the recommend, like the fact that this is even a recommendation, is kind of terrifying. Not because they're recommending it, but because this is considered like the added steps of protection. <laughs> it's getting yeah. getting looked into once per year. Right. They're looking into the well being. Like that's the recommendation. That's not current state that we're going to improve upon. We are looking at improving up to a state where the well being of the children is looked in on in person once per year yeah um whereas basically what it what it is currently is if there is a report if someone complains about neglect or abuse there'll be someone go out to look but otherwise they try and get out as much as possible but there's no actual yeah uh, minimum threshold so
0: and the thing with something like that is that it's probably (laughs) it's probably not a matter of uh people not you know not Wanting to get out there, kind of thing. Like correct, yeah. I don't. It's probably a shorthanded situation. Like these, these organization or these oversight committees and and stuff. They always seem to be shorthanded.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. So basically, the big advocate, the big concern, the what the advocate is is advocating um, (laughs) is that these persons of sufficient interest caregivers are subjected or have the same level of approval process and Supervision as adoptive parents, um, and the same, like I said, the same level of oversight as foster parents or alternative caregivers, yeah. and um, which seems pretty reasonable. But again, it requires yeah. more more money. Yep, um, yep. and it's interesting because uh, we're
0: we're currently going into the foster care process. Like we are looking at foster. Oh, children. good for you. And, uh, it's, it's a long process with a lot of steps and a lot of, you have to go into training before you go in and like, there's pre-training and post-training and cultural training and, and interviews with all the family members that you have. And, you know, it's, it's a big deal. So, so if, if, uh, as it should be, yeah, as it should be, absolutely. Cause you're introducing children into your house that aren't yours, you're caring for them and, uh, uh a psi a per- persons of sufficient interest should probably have some something yeah. close to that
1: and of course as always the best solution is putting in place supports and resources so that the kids don't have to be taken away in the first place yes right like That's if right. we could maybe <laughs> instead of defaulting <laughs> to the government coming in and taking children away making sure that parents who overwhelmingly want what's best for their children and just sometimes struggle to find the best ways of providing that, have the tools and resources available to them to keep their children Um, because, like, it is safer for the children. It is more ethical. And quite frankly, it's, like, again, Dave coming in and giving the cold-hearted dollars and cents analysis in, like in addition to the ethical and moral analysis, it's fucking cheaper. Like <laughs> it is yeah. fucking cheaper to make sure that parents have tools and resources available to them such that their mental health is well taken care of their children's mental and physical health is well taken care of they yeah. They are living it in a life free of neglect and abuse. Um, and don't have to have intervention of the state, all of that is significantly cheaper than paying for foster care, paying for child protective services to go out and do investigations of foster homes um, than the financial cost of tragedy striking when kids are in um, alternative care. So um, if we can get our heads out of our asses and, Stop having this puritanical bullshit about, oh, you know, these people don't deserve whatever these resources that are needed to keep kids safe. Um, Everyone's better off. So let's throw out this idea that anyone doesn't deserve the resources needed to keep children safe um, and do everything we can to create healthy communities where kids can stay in the homes (laughs) of their parents rather than having to go to alternative caregivers. I will get down off my soapbox now. <laughs> what are you advocating for,
0: though, Dave? A society Sorry. that cares about people <laughs> and takes care of their needs? What is this?
1: <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Dave. So Like... Our Band-Aids are currently shitty, but let's not get cut in the first place, and then we don't need to worry about the quality of our Band-Aids. And we'll have more money left over for having good quality Band-Aids when they aren't. Right. You know what? Right. Ultimately, I'm not naive enough to think we will never need alternative care for children. If nothing else, things like car accidents are going to continue happening. Right, right. Um, And parents will pass away. But, um, yeah, if we, there, if, we get, if we get rid of generational <laughs> trauma and we break cycles of abuse and if we uh, you know allow communities that have been marginalized to have tools available to them um and we stop making racist assumptions about the well-being of children Mm -hmm. um we're gonna have a lot we're gonna have a lot better time all around and we're gonna have a much more thriving society all around too so john cornley is a dick this is the stupidest take i have heard like John Gormley has had some pretty stupid takes over the year. This may be one of his stupidest.
0: Right. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a perfect example of why. I don't know. Nobody should ever take John Gormley seriously as a as a person.
1: Yeah, this is. That, <laughs> oh, how so, the mighty have fallen.
0: All right. Okay, go ahead, John.
2: And the equally loony. Can you hear that? Uh, perpetually yeah. alarmed, uh, the no fun club, you know, the people who have been trying to close down the economy and, you know, shut you down for ages. These people are mirror images of one another. They only have relevance as long as the pandemic lasts. Uh, this guy who had never heard of before, what was his name? <laughs> Kyle Kyle Anderson, microbiology prof, hardcore New Democrat, suffering evidently <laughs> from his tweets, Scott Moe derangement syndrome. I had never heard of That's Kyle Anderson. I didn't know who he was. Apparently he's on faculty. He's microbiologist. Kyle Anderson only as a public figure lives and breathes as long as we have a pandemic. So he's on the reactionary shut down the economy. Don't let people go out crowd. Just like Max Bernier and his nitwits are on the reactionary freedom crowd. No, that's not what the pandemic's over. I don't care about the freedom crowd (laughs) when the pandemic's over. I don't care about the no fun club. Okay. John
0: reactionary doesn't mean reacts to things that's not what reactionary is yeah. <laughs>
1: like, Does anyone else have the overwhelming <laughs> urge to just be like okay grandpa Right um, yeah like Yeah
0: go take your meds and have <sighs> a nap <laughs> that, Maybe that's ages that's not fair <laughs> Yeah
1: that's fair okay, good point good point Um Kyle himself joked around about it too, right? Like, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle's like, yes, I am a I am the hardcore new democrat and the leader of the no fun club. Um, also Kyle makes the point: currently, must be terrible at poker because this is ridiculously transparent. Yeah. Um, this idea that, oh, okay, well, like my side is being super, super shitty, and we're placating them. So I can't just acknowledge that the anti-maskers and these, these dyed-in-the-wool conservatives are being dangerous, I have to then somehow draw a false both-sides-ism. Um, and, like, my metaphor is, like like, these firefighters are only relevant <laughs> when there's fires, which makes firefighters no different from arsonists. They're the same thing. When the fire is put out, we won't care about the firefighters anymore. You know what?
0: They only, they re they're reacting to the fire. fire, Therefore therefore, they're they're reactionaries.
1: reactionaries. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Like, again, I don't know Kyle super, super well. We're not like close friends, but like, I know him well enough to know. I think he'll be perfectly happy to go back to being a highly respected university professor who doesn't have to be on TV <laughs> all the time talking what? about a global pandemic when the global pandemic passes.
0: Yeah, you think
1: right? You like, actually, like, <laughs> like I'm I'm ninety percent sure Kyle's going to be just fine going back to being a leader in his field. Yeah, <laughs> right, that's really- like. O- only, o- only a, you know, renowned microbiologist. Because the fact that John Gormley doesn't know, you know, right. renowned microbiologist doesn't surprise me. No, like, that's right. Nor, like, nor should he. Like, like I didn't it's know. It's not a field
0: that, yeah. I, I didn't know knows. what Kyle
1: was a professor of prior to the pandemic. He's a casual friend. I knew he was a professor at the U of S. It's not like he goes around bragging about his credentials and then right. – the pandemic hit and then Kyle started talking about stuff I'm like, Oh shit, you're actually an expert. Like when they say listen to people who have expertise on a thing and, and yeah. The other thing about Kyle, if you listen to any of the things that he talks about and his, his posts on social media and when he does media appearance, when he's on TV, when he's when he's on the radio and whatnot, is like most scientists, he quotes the the actual data and the research. Like you can You can look at all the same information Kyle looked at for the most part. Like, it's not like he's expressing some appeal to authority. You don't just believe me because I'm a scientist. No, he's doing the, hey, I can help you interpret data because, again, that's what I'm trained in. I can help you find the data because, again, that's what he's trained in. But then he shows the data. And he shows the numbers, then he shows the tracking, then he, he can make you know predictive statements based on the data he's seeing and is right almost every single time about what he thinks might happen. And yeah. you know what? He, he probably is erring on the side of caution um, more than some might. In the same way, I bought a house from a firefighter and there are a sh- ton of fire uh, smoke detectors in the house. When I got right. like there are yeah. more smoke detectors in my house than there were when I bought it. Than is probably required by b- building codes. Almost because like it a was built by a <laughs> firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like yeah. that, that, I, I bought it from the original owners. The original owner was a firefighter. Yeah. And, uh, um. And, Sounds about right. Right. And and like so yeah. Are, are is that slightly more cautious than need be? maybe maybe um same with same are some of Kyle's recommendations erring on the side of caution because and same with, same with Dr Fauci same with Dr Tam like a lot of yeah. them are and they Fauci used to say that himself quite a bit but i think all of these these doctors and scientists will tell you the same thing of i am purely analyzing this from the framework of the science i am trained on so yeah. i recognize there are Competing interests that are going to balance out my recommendations, um, but that doesn't make them reactionary. <laughs> no, so that's not what reactionary, that's means. Not what reactionary <laughs> means. But again, like it's when you when you know when you know your own people are being shitty, you have two choices. You can either confront the shittiness within your own side or within your own in-group and risk being ostracized by a portion of your own in-group or splitting the in-group in two or, or any number of other sort of actual personal consequences. Yeah. Um, and, or you can try and do both sides ism and say, well, both sides are just as bad. So I'd, let's not let's not be accountable for the shitty people within our own side um, by trying to make it seem like both sides are just as bad. Um, and sometimes, like in some debates, both sides are do have bad actors within them. There, like, are, there are yeah, debates there are where, like, yeah, like, um, yeah, like I, I, I can I can see a number. But you also got to look at who has who has power within within different organizations, right? Like you look at yeah. you look at. Um, the what might be considered um, fringe elements within the left and the right within Canada. Um, the fringe elements within the left have very, very little power in Canada. Yeah. Like right. I, you and I have gotten frustrated me probably even more so, but with some of the more fringe elements that show up on your social media and yes. like are like are literally advocating to have me executed because of my job. Um, like I've literally had people on your <laughs> Facebook wall. Say, no, no you deserve to be killed. I'm like, okay. Bankers like, are no good. I don't agree with that. You and I are not going to find common what? ground. Like, I'm not going to be like, okay, well, let's, let's look for method of execution and see if we can find one that we, like, no, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> you and I are not going to find common ground. However, they are not running for the NDP. They are not running for the green party. They're sure as hell not running for the liberals. Um, yeah. right. Like they're, they're naughty. like, like, and I like, I say Green Party intentionally. Like they're not even running for the fringe parties that have one seat or three seats or whatever in yeah,
0: that's in right. Government. Or even even actually an official status as a party, right? right?
1: Like that, <laughs> they they don't have power within the Canadian left. Um, yeah. Whereas those who are the the equivalent of that who are who are actually advocating for running down Indigenous protesters with pickup trucks. That's. Are getting the photo mainstream. ops, yeah. Are getting photo ops with with conservative leaders uh, because yeah. they're not getting told. They're getting reactions like Gormley saying, "Okay, well, you know what? These guys are are, are wackadoodles, but you know they're no different from the." Other but side. you know what?
0: Those protesters in Ottawa the one time they carried a fake guillotine, and <laughs> therefore both sides are the same.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyways, it it's Fine. it's frustrating. Um, I like. I've always disagreed with Gormley, um, but in, in over the last 25 years, I, my respect for him has rapidly diminished because he's, he's gone from that guy who was on the right but would, um, would at least listen and make good faith arguments. Like I disagreed with his arguments, but his arguments were made in good faith um, to either... He's either no longer making arguments in good faith or he is so he's so completely lost the plot that he's just yeah yeah, blind to his own rhetoric at this point. And I don't and, know which of the two it is, and I don't know if I ever will,
0: I mean by and large, this is a result of Rush Limbaugh, you know, as well. Like this is this is the American Canadian conservative movement yeah. over the last thirty, forty years has been moving in this direction. So i don't wanna I don't want to paint everybody on the right in with a broad brush, but this is the mainstream of your movement. You need to change something
1: and I don't know what this like I don't know if what needs to happen, and again, it's not my job to solve the problems of the right, but I don't know if what needs to happen is you just a schism and the right splits into and actually stays split into and doesn't just reform five years later <laughs> with the nut jobs with having even more power. Yeah. Or whether you put the effort into actually excising, excising those elements from the party. Like, because you see, you see in the States like it even worse, right? Like, um,
0: yeah, I mean, I think, I think, It's like you say, like, it's not our job to fix the right for them, right? But it is my position that even those who were not, you know, original conservatives that, you know, still hold true to the original ideas of conservatism, they were still wrong and we still need to uh, have more left power.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just, (laughs) they're not always wrong about everything. And and I think having having that voice can sometimes be a good thing. Um sure. Because it keeps it keeps the left honest. Um (laughs) like (laughs) um I think the I think it's I think there is still time within Canadian conservatism to for them to be saved the fate of the U S conservative movement, because I think a lot of quote unquote moderate conservatives in Canada need to to take a good hard look down South and see what is happening to the Liz Cheney's and the Mitt Romney's and say, is that what we want to have happen to us here? Right. In 10 years, do we want moderate conservatism to be gone um, is it worth – is it worth it? Like right. is, is is the occasional additional win or and, – and may not even be additional win, but is the occasional win worth selling your soul for? Um, because like the Liz Cheney's and the Mitt Romney's had sort of lukewarm objections to Trump here and there over the years but ultimately right. went along with it. Yeah. Um we have like moderate conservatives have that choice in Canada. Still, they still have that choice of speaking out against the reactionary, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: The, yeah. the
1: fascistic elements within their own party um, and, and shutting it down now before it's too late. Cause if they don't, then it, it's, they'll just get swept up in it. And, then what's going to happen is they're going to have to make the choice of either plugging their nose and voting liberal or siding with the fascists. Like, like yeah. they don't have to do that yet. They're going to have to choose. <laughs> they're going to have to make yeah. that choice soon if they don't fix the problems now. Yeah, that's right. So, anyways. Good news, but slow good news, and people need to stop assuming that like yeah. people need the light at the end of the tunnel is coming. That's a good thing. It's coming maybe faster than we thought a couple weeks ago, slower than we thought a couple months ago. And we're not at that light yet. So stop behaving like we're out of the tunnel. <laughs> like that's the summary. Yeah, no, exactly.
0: Exactly. Uh, and it sounds like there's going to be some more, uh, attempts to actually have consequences for people who don't, uh, who gather and protest and don't adhere to, health rules yeah. and whatnot so and,
1: and and i i know i i know uh the the saskatchewan attorney general doesn't listen to our podcast but <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they are implementing the things i've been saying for months <laughs> so i was like okay good you figured yeah. it out you don't need uh you don't need a bunch of bald white dudes with guns in order to make this happen the government is actually going to do um license suspension garnishing of wages um yeah. which again like Yes, you have that power at your discretion. Yeah, this is a much safer way. You don't need you don't need people with guns to enforce a health order um, when you have all of these yeah. other abilities. So
0: no. this should have always been on the table, but at least yeah. they're doing it now.
1: But, Correct, absolutely.
0: You can find us at Anchor.fm/slash From Many Peoples. Our Twitter is at skpoliticspod. Our Facebook is Facebook.com/slash From Many Strength Pod. And you can email us at from many peoples at gmail.com or buy us a coffee at buy me a coffee slash from many peoples. Um, okay. So there was a, a grade six teacher, Mr. Park. He bought us two coffees. Oh, very nice. <laughs> hey, thank you, Mr. Park.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah. Uh, the
1: grade six teacher, like, does he play us for his class? Well, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I, think probably so. Probably not. <laughs> We're pretty, I'm pretty spicy with my language. <laughs>
0: But it says on his Twitter bio that he is a grade six teacher. (laughs) Mm.
1: Okay. like I was trying to figure out where the teacher element came relevant, but awesome. Well, thank you. That's very nice of him.
0: Yes. So it's not somebody directly connected or that I – well, I might have communicated with him on Reddit. Somebody and I were – I was talking to somebody on Reddit the (laughs) the
1: other day. (laughs) That's fair. Well, pass along my thank you as well because I don't tend to interact with the the buy me a coffees or the – the yep, YouTubes sure. or the Reddits. Because oh. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Social media scares me. It should, actually. <laughs> it's I, I, an aw, awful, I, awful place. <laughs> I just sit and watch people dance on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. That's the good one. That's the good one. So, anyways, thank you once again, Corey, for all the work you do making uh-huh. the podcast happen. I appreciate it every, every, I was going to say every week, but every two weeks now. I appreciate and, it nonetheless. So.
0: And thank you for joining me.
1: All right. (laughs) Take care.